Coaches of Pim Better Podcast. Welcome back, friends, to the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast. I have the intro episode up on iTunes right now. It doesn't sound fantastic, but that's something that I'm working on right now. Uh, Definitely still welcome your feedback. Huge thank you to Lee Syatt for helping me to get the intro episode up and for giving me a ton of advice. Um, I've been a huge fan of the Church of What's Happening Now podcast, so it was pretty cool to get to talk to him and to pick his brain about podcasting in general and social media and all that stuff. So thank you to him. And thank you to my friend, Brian Goldsman, who is helping me to edit the first couple of episodes and just make them sound a little bit better. Hopefully those will be out by early next week. So you'll have a a couple more things to listen to besides the introduction episode. Be sure to hit me up on uh, social media or via email with any recommendations or ideas because I'd like to eventually branch out from only talking about traveling and my travels to talking to other travelers or interesting people. Um, But I do have a number of big things planned that I'm excited to do. It's just going to take a little bit of time. I'm building up the rest of all the technology that I need. And I'm obviously still learning a lot about podcasting and editing and all that. So uh, thank you for listening to the intro. And I hope you enjoy the first couple of episodes. Today I'm going to be talking about Hanoi. Vietnam is one of uh, my favorite places in the world. Um, I've been there twice. I'm going to return again this summer. And the first time I went, I flew into Hanoi first. Hanoi is one of the two major cities that you often hear about uh, when you do hear about Vietnam. The other being Ho Chi Minh City, which used to be called Saigon, and some people still call it Saigon. Hanoi is in the north. It was from the communist north, and it's still, I mean, the country's still communist, but you know what I'm saying, um, during the Vietnam War period. And it still has a lot of that old flavor to it. Um, Saigon is more industrialized, it's being built up, and the culture is a little bit different. I had heard that in Hanoi, people aren't as friendly to Westerners and Americans that couldn't be any further from the truth in terms of my experiences. But for my first time in Asia, there was a little bit of culture shock when I first entered Hanoi. You know, you fly, I think I flew 22 hours. There was a layover within there for an hour or so in Taiwan. But it's a super long flight. And once you get out, the air in Hanoi in the summer when I went... It feels like an oven, like when you open up an oven door and you feel that wave of heat come at you, that's how it feels all the time. So that took a little bit of getting used to. There's like this constant trickle of sweat down your neck. Um, But you get used to those discomforts and it's weird that when you come home, you kind of prefer those discomforts to the comforts of home. I don't know if that sounds weird, but I guess it's more the monotony of the day-to-day is not as exciting as like the unknown and some of the more uncomfortable things when you're traveling. The major aspect of the Hanoi trip that I want to talk about is eating a cobra heart. Now, maybe this is touristy and it's not something that's traditionally done. It's not something that most people are eating over there every single day. But when we went to the restaurant, we were the only Westerners that were there. Although most of the people that were there were not having like the full course snake meal. 
The place that we went was called Nguyen Van Duk, and it's just outside of like the city proper of Hanoi. You go over the bridge and you're taken to a little bit more of a rural area, though it's not that far from the city. We did have some trouble finding the place. Um, when you're in Vietnam, the difference between what I was talking about in terms of transportation in Chiang Mai is that there are no tuk-tuk drivers. So you have to either arrange a driver through your hotel or hostel, or you have to get a taxi. Now, the safest bet is to always talk to the people who work in your hotel, because I know at least in Saigon, there are a number of people that try to rip you off. But there are like some state-sponsored taxis like Venusun who will have a flat rate. So it's important that you kind of arrange those things before you just hop into a car with a stranger who's possibly going to rip you off. Always, if there is a flat rate, always arrange that price ahead of time or understand what the rate per minute or per mile is before going into it. So when we went to Nagoyan Van Duk, it was myself and two friends who were traveling with me. When you enter, it's sort of an outdoor area at first, and there are these pens and these cages that are full of cobras. I think I remember them being either like blindfolded or their, ta- their tails were uh, tied up. But it was $50 American split between the three of us, which is honestly a lot of money when you're eating in Vietnam or some other places in Southeast Asia where you can get you know a bowl of pho for a, a dollar American or a banh mi sandwich for a dollar American. But we did want to have this experience and I'm glad that we paid it. The $50 pays for one Cobra and they take it out of the pen and they do kind of like a little show with it and they make it hiss at you and they kind of let it run towards you and then grab its tail. And then the cruelty begins. They... <laughs> They pick up the snake and they twirl it around to disorient it. And then they whack its head on the ground once. It's starting to die. Then they whack its head on the ground twice. And it's dead. It's pretty gruesome. But it's not uncommon for people to go over there and to do this. And sorry, PETA. But kind of enjoyable to take part in it. After this, they cut open the cobra's innards and they drip all of its blood into like an empty liquor bottle. And then they cut out its heart and they bring you over to a table. Now, every single piece of the snake is cooked for you over, I think, 10 different courses. Um, It was incredibly filling. We barely got through any of it. I think that the meal was more for like six people than it was for three people. But right away, they bring you the heart. And they bring that bottle of blood and they pour the bottle of blood into shot glasses. Now the heart is in a little dish and it's beating. It almost looks like it's like sucking at the dish. Like if you were to take a fish, like a fish out of a fish tank and drop it on the table and it's sort of gasping for breath and you see, uh, see his body fluttering. That's kind of what this looked like. Um, it also looked like the color and the shape of a large kidney bean but maybe like three or four kidney beans put together. So it was pretty big. Now, obviously you only get one heart between the three of you. Our friend Kevin had been to Hanoi for an extended time before, and he had done this. So it was between myself and my other friend, who's also named Tim. 
And of course, there was all this bravado as we were driving over, like, oh, I'm going to do it. No, I'm going to do it. And then once the heart actually comes out, we both kind of looked at each other like, oh, God, neither of us wants to do this. This seems like it's going to be really gross. So I picked a short straw and it ended up being me. So what you do is you take the heart and yeah, it's still beating. It was beating for a couple minutes after the cobra was dead and you drop it into the shot of blood and you down it. It was like, I guess like swallowing a horse pill um, that was like three horse pills put together and the blood was exactly what you would think blood tastes like it almost tastes like pennies like that irony taste if you've ever had like dental work done you got a little bit of blood in your mouth it was like that but more intense um but it was quick and then afterwards of course the waiters are laughing with you and telling you now you have two hearts you have the heart of the cobra and the heart of a man and you're ready for battle and you're strong and your virility is very strong and all those sorts of things so it was a cool experience the meals with the snake were okay. Some of them were pretty strange, like um, a soup with uh, meat from the with, from the ribs of the snake that still had the ribs attached to it, and they were like these brittle little bones, um, and like a porridge, and the skin was fried. So some of it was tasty. Some of it was kind of weird. The hardest part of the meal was they also bring you snake wine, which is... I guess like a rice wine or a rice whiskey that has a cobra inside of the jug as it's fermenting. Um, they gave us this. That was tough because they also bring you like a whole bottle of it. Um, and it just, it tastes like turpentine. And they also had a bottle of something similar that was purple. And that one was like lighter fluid. I'm not really sure if that was also snake wine or what, but um that was definitely tough to put down. And for the rest of the day, you I don't know if it was from the alcohol content that you felt fuzzy or the fact that this is one of your first days in Asia and your body is just consuming this stuff that it's completely not used to. Uh, but we were a little bit funky for the rest of the day. I definitely recommend doing this once though. It's not something that I would do over and over again because it's pretty cruel and the meal itself wasn't fantastic, but just the experience of doing this was really cool. And being able to say that, you know, I, I ate a beating cobra heart feels pretty cool and kind of fulfills my fantasies of being Indiana Jones when I was a young kid. When I was writing about Hanoi, I wrote that Hanoi feels like a fever dream at night. I hope that that com- I hope that you can understand what I mean by that, but it was so hot at night and I remember sitting on the street and like the dimensions of things didn't feel right. Um, you're kind of fuzzy from the new food and I guess like the, the, the new microbiome that's going on inside your body from the things that you're eating, uh, the heat, uh, just being in a strange new place that feels completely different from home. Um, but it was absolutely fantastic and beautiful. One of my favorite things is going to be a high which we were calling Bia Hoi the whole time that we were there. And apparently Hoi means stinky. So we were saying we're going to the smelly beer, but it's Bia Hoi. And for, I think it was 13,000 dong. So like 30 cents American, you get a beer that is brewed fresh daily. 
Now you're standing on a, a small plastic stool right next to an intersection. Um, motorbikes and scooters are whizzing by you. You're breathing in exhaust and you're getting these 30 cent beers, which go down like water once it's, it's so hot there. And you get a bowl of boiled peanuts. You could get things like fried sparrow, but it's amazing to be, you know, one of the only Westerners sit among, sitting amongst all these Vietnamese people, a lot of them still in their like shirt and tie from work, just hanging out, shooting the breeze after work. You get to talk to some interesting people once you can break that language barrier. And just the experience of being so close to uh, the intersection, but so close to the people and having this really cheap uh, meal and really cheap drinks. It's really fun and exciting. So I definitely recommend going to Bia Hai. There's also one in, or there, I think there are a few down in Saigon, but it's a little bit different. You're not like right on the street as you are in Hanoi. I'm really hoping that as things start to modernize, they don't get rid of this. I could totally see it happening though, because I'm sure that there are, you know, tourists who are going to feel like it's unsafe doing this. And I don't know, it's an aspect of the culture I would really hate to see go away. Talking about the traffic. So when this is one of the other things that sort of was hard to adapt to at first when I went to Hanoi. Now there are no traffic lights. There are no stop signs, really no traffic signs at all. Um, it's a bit different in Saigon. It's still like that in a lot of places, but, uh, like I said, it's modernizing a lot and there are traffic signals there. They're also building a high speed rail through Saigon. Um, I don't want to talk about it too much yet because I'll, I'll probably do an episode about Saigon, but, uh, that's, it's good. I guess that is modernizing, but it's also, it's gonna, it's also gonna suck because it's going to change a lot of things. And, I don't know. I kind of like the purity of Vietnam when I go there. But back to Hanoi. So like I was saying, there are no traffic signs or signals and you just kind of go. Like when there's a little bit of a lull between all the motor motor scooters, you just kind of dart out and it's really a lot like Frogger. You're just kind of like moving a bit and then once a a scooter passes, you move a little bit more and then you, you cross when you can. It's a lot harder during like the after work rush because at that time there's also people riding up on the sidewalks or what there is of a sidewalk in some places. Um, and it's tough to get across and it's weird that while I was there, I only saw one accident and that was on a highway. So it wasn't on any of these side streets or streets right within the city where you're trying to get around. It's amazing that like the harmony of it almost like how it all flows together it looks like people are constantly about to crash. You know, people's ankles are an inch away from each other as they're riding along. I think that when we were there, I think it was in Hanoi, my my buddy Kevin did get clipped by a muffler on a bike, um, but he didn't get hurt or anything like that. I will say that there are a lot of tourists who ride motor scooters there, and it's an amazing experience. I know that I was watching... Um, Parts Unknown with Anthony Bourdain and he did that episode recently in Hanoi where he met up with Obama and they got Bun Cha and he was talking about you know it's not a true Hanoi experience if you don't ride on a bike and I totally understand that and get that but in both Hanoi and 
in Saigon, I've seen so many tourists get injured. Um, I've seen this in Thailand too, like get pretty seriously injured and go to hospitals, um, get all bloodied up. I saw one guy with a head injury because they go to Vietnam and they think, oh, okay, it's a scooter. How hard could it be? Um, and I mean, learning one itself isn't the easiest thing. And then on top of that, you have like these strange traffic patterns and people just whizzing in and out. And you really, you can't really stop on your bike. So if you stop, all the people behind you are going to hit you. Like I said, you have to understand the flow. You have to understand how to zigzag around people who are crossing the street without stopping. And a lot of Westerners or, or tourists um, from places outside of Vietnam, they get injured and then they have to go to a hospital there and maybe it's not the best hospital. So uh, just a word of caution about that. Although I certainly understand the desire to want to do it and to kind of do what the people in Vietnam are doing. In terms of food, I, other than doing that snake experience, I definitely recommend obviously going and getting some pho. It's a bit different from Saigon in that it's more savory and in Saigon they uh, have a sweeter taste. And also in Saigon, I think, I think I'm saying this correctly, but I, all throughout Saigon you get uh, a lot of herbs to put into your pho. I don't remember doing this in the north. I do remember uh, pickled garlic being a staple, but in the south, they're big on giving you herbs. In the north, too, um, they're cleaning this up a lot, but in most places, you used to just you ball up your napkins. like So you're dabbing your face while you're sweating, and the pho is oily, and it's getting all over you. So you're using napkins to wipe yourself down, and you would just ball them up, and you would throw them on the floor, and they would remain there until the end of the day. So you're sitting there amongst other people's discarded waste, but it's you kind of get used to that, and it becomes normal after a while. This is changing a lot. Now, I remembered reading about this too while I was there. I brought Graham Holiday's book called Eating Vietnam, which I 100% recommend. Most of the places that he lists in that book are still there and you could go find them in, in all over, you know, both in the North and in the South. But it, they're, they're definitely starting to clean this up in Hanoi as they're, you know, catering more to tourists. Although I'm a tourist and I would prefer, you know, to kind of sit amongst the trash because I don't know, it feels kind of unique and maybe more authentic. And then at the end of the day, um, a lot of the waste is swept into the gutters in the street and it's burned. So if you're returning home late at night from seeing the water puppet show or going to a bar or doing whatever that it is that you're doing over there, uh, you're walking and like there's just burning trash everywhere. And that was kind of unique as well. But definitely go and get pho. Definitely go and get, you know, all the traditional stuff like a banh mi sandwich, which is really super cheap. Um, the There's bun bo hue, which is delicious. I saw that more in... Saigon, but I've also been to Saigon more than once and I've only been to Hanoi once. I also recommend going and getting Chakalavong. It is in a place called Chakalavong. I think they have two locations now. Um, but you walk up these stairs and there were a couple women working in this place and they only serve one dish. And it's like that all over Vietnam where you go and somebody has the specialty that they make and that's all you can get. And so really when you look at a menu, like your choice is 
what type of beer you want because you're going to get that one thing that they sell there. So the chocolavang is fish that is cooked right in front of you with some greens and it's cooked in a butter, a buttery oily sauce that is just absolutely amazing. And it is put over rice noodles with like or bun from the bun cha, right? And it's absolutely amazing. It's a vermicelli noodles if you're here in America and you're at a Vietnamese restaurant. Um, absolutely fantastic, though. I had it once here in New York City at Pok Pok. I love Pok Pok. It's my favorite place to eat. Uh, I think they still have chocolavang. It's not. It, it's good. Trust me, it's good. Like if you want to go and have it, it's absolutely delicious. But it's not a perfect replication. And the replication, I think, comes in the oil. Um, it was just amazing over there. Like I could sit there and like drink the oil, like a soup almost like pick it up in a cup and drink it. I know my, maybe that's gross, but, um, it's, it's, it's absolutely fantastic. So I definitely recommend going to Chocolavang as well. One of the interesting experiences is that we were out one night and we really weren't even out that late. We were walking around to a, a few different places and we went to a place that had like American 90s pop music and it was more of a club atmosphere and it was full of tourists. And you see this all over um, Southeast Asia, the places that people want to just kind of go and party in. It's not really my scene, um, but this crowd was a bit more mixed in terms of people from Vietnam and tourists. And we went and it was it was fun, but we weren't out that late. And the cops still came with their uh, like Russian automatic rifles and they didn't even say anything. They just came in uh, and they stared and everyone knew right away it's time to go. It's either that we're out past curfew or it's overcrowded and I don't want to mess with these guys. They don't look so friendly. So we left there and you know some of the tourists had had too much to drink and were yelling some things out like you know, let us have fun and stuff like that. And I'm just like, oh God, someone's going to get hurt. So the cops start whistling and sort of forming a barricade and sort of uh, without actually touching anybody, forcing us away from this club and out onto the street and sent us on our way. But this also happened um, in Chiang Mai where they have a curfew. It's definitely different in Saigon, I know Chiang Mai is not in Vietnam, but just to draw a parallel, it's definitely different in Saigon where I've been out, you know, until three in the morning eating, hanging out with friends that I have there now and drinking and things like that. Um, but it was an interesting experience to get to see this. And it also kind of highlights the difference between the North and the South. The North is definitely still more conservative, whereas in the South, um, parts of it have more of like a New York City kind of vibe to it. The lake in the middle of Hanoi is beautiful. If you go there in the morning, you'll see people doing Tai Chi. They are doing it as the sun comes up. There's also some like outdoor uh, gym equipment and there's people that are working out there in the morning and there's people that are working out at night. It's cool to go do that or it's cool to go sit and just kind of watch as Hanoi wakes itself up. It's super hot in the morning as it is at all times. But um, 
it's really like a serene and peaceful place to start out your day. And I recommend doing that. If you have any recommendations for Hanoi, for either myself or for anyone who might be listening, then feel free to contact me and I'll read those out or I'll share them on the website or my Twitter. I'm still trying to figure out how to fuse all the social media, but I'm definitely looking to make this grow and I welcome you know, any of your comments and experiences and feedback like I've, like I've said. Okay, that does it for Hanoi. Again, my Instagram is t.vetter. My email is thevoyagesoftimvetter at gmail. My WordPress is thevoyagesoftimvetter. And my Twitter is thevoyagesoftv. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Until next time, this has been the Voyages of Tim Vetter podcast.